Good morning. Good morning. I'm almost tempted to have a show of hands of who's not related to Lyle this morning. <laughs> but we won't do that. Excellent to have everyone here. I'm going to read to you probably a passage you've heard before, maybe just not. You've probably heard it at weddings instead of, instead of a church service, but here we go. 1 Corinthians 13. And now I will show you the most excellent way. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor, and surrender my body to the flames, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when perfection comes, the imperfect disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put childish ways behind me. Now we see but a poor reflection, as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part. Then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. But now these three remain. Faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Father God, speak to us from your word this morning. Teach us, we pray. Amen. In the last few weeks, we've talked about wisdom and justice, self-control and courage. These are the virtues that the ancients sought. And we've seen how they can come out of a life that's given over to God. God gave Joshua courage and rewarded Joseph for his self-control. Solomon sought wisdom and was given that and more. And justice is at the very root of who God is, our mighty and just God. We've just recently looked at faith and hope. Two things that are so closely related, we often talk about them in the same breath. We place our faith in Jesus Christ, who gives us hope for the present and future. We can trust Him for what He's done, what He's doing, and the promises He's made for the future. Jesus Christ is worthy of our faith and the answer to our hope. All of these things are important to the full experience of the Christian life. 
But what ties them all together and makes them work is love. Without love, every other virtue is baseless. It's empty. With love, each one finds its right place in the way we live as Christians. Love is the blood that flows through the veins of followers of Jesus Christ. So let's take a closer look at this bond that holds us all together. First, we can define it. Let's look to Deuteronomy chapter 7. But it was because the Lord loved you and kept the oath he swore to your forefathers that he brought you out of a might brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the land of slavery from the power of Pharaoh the king. Know therefore that the Lord your God is God. He is the faithful God keeping his covenant of love to a thousand generations of those who love him and keep his commands. If you wanted to summarize what the Bible is in six words, you could call it the greatest love story ever told. The word love in some form appears 787 times in the Bible, depending on which translation you're using. 60 out of 66 books mention it. In the Psalms, it's there 160 times alone. It's in almost half of all the Psalms. One Psalm has it 18 times, the other mentions it 26. The words God and love occur together in 123 verses. In two-thirds of the books of the Bible, we have God and love in the same verse. God is love is repeated twice in 1 John. The words Jesus and love appear together in 19 out of the 27 books of the New Testament. So what exactly is this love that occupies such an important role in the Bible? Well, I've never found a better definition than the one I read to you this morning. Let's just take that middle part again. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects. Always trusts. Always hopes always perseveres. Love never fails. It's not just for weddings. In fact, these words were written to a church that was just getting off the ground, struggling to find its way. It wasn't really written to 21st century brides and grooms, but they can use it anyway. The Bible's good for all of us. They had so much as an early church, but they struggled with love. And after the Apostle Paul had taught them so many different things about church, practices, expectations, that sort of thing, he then just lays it out that they need to have love as the glue that holds it all together. And this is how he described the love we should have for each other. And it's rooted in the kind of love that God has for us. So that's defining love. Roughly. 
We also know that love is expected of us. Back to Deuteronomy. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your strength. That phrase, love the Lord your God, comes up 12 times in the Bible. Love your neighbor as yourself comes up nine times. People want to be loved. People need to be loved. And most are prepared to love if they'll be loved in return. But love that comes out of our own strength is more often than not a selfish love. We want to be taken care of. We want to be appreciated. We want to be treasured or felt needed. We want to be accepted as we are for who we are. And if someone is willing to give us this kind of love, we are, more often than not, willing to reciprocate it, to return it. Our way of love is love that needs to be returned in order to stay alive. Christians, however, are expected to love God and to love those around us, our neighbors. And the love we are to have is far different than the love that we can generate on our own. Our love is to be the same kind of love that God has for us. God loved us enough to create us, despite knowing in advance that we would rebel, that we would turn on Him. God loved us enough to warn us again and again that the way we were living would only lead to ruin, knowing that we would ignore His warnings and insist on doing things our way. God loved us enough that when all the messengers failed, He sent the one thing that meant everything to Him, His only Son, knowing that we would mock Him and torture Him and kill Him. It's relatively easy to love someone who loves you back. But God's love came to us when we had our backs turned on Him. And now that we know of His love, He wants us to accept it. And once we accept it, He wants us to return it. There's nothing we can give Him that He needs. He's God no matter how we react to Him. But one of the mysteries of our faith is that we worship a God who actually wants our love. And how do we give it to Him? Well, listen to these verses, most of them from the Gospel of John. If you love me, you will obey what I command. Jesus replied, if anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in His love. How do we return God's love? We take Him seriously. We obey Him. We learn what His Word says to us, and then we do it. And what's the most important commandment He gives us? Besides loving Him, 
ourselves. Is it going to church? No, that's a great thing, but that's not the most important thing we do. Is it donating lots of money to the church? Or is it advertising about the church? Or is it all wrapped up in this building? No. The most important thing, the most important commandment he gives us besides loving him back is loving each other. <laughs> Love your neighbor as yourself. God wants us to love the world with his kind of love. It's not enough to accept his love. We must share it with those who need it so desperately. Love those around us. Neighbor means so much more than those living next to us. And it's so much more than just we know and we like. Yes, we must love those close to us. But love has to extend past that to those who aren't easy to love. Jesus made it very clear numerous times that his love went out to all. That nobody deserved it on their own, but he loved them anyway. And he also makes it very clear we are to love the same way he did, friend and foe alike. So we've defined love, and we've touched upon the fact that God expects us to love him back and those around us. So it's time to get past talking about it and get into practicing it. To that end, I thought I'd end the message with a story about showing love called Scars in Life. Some years ago on a hot summer day in South Florida, a little boy decided to go for a swim in the old swimming hole that was behind his house. In a hurry to dive into the cool water, he ran out the back door leaving shoes and shirts and socks in the dirt as he ran. He flew into the water not realizing that as he swam toward the middle of the lake, an alligator was swimming in toward the shore. In the house, his mother was looking out the window. She saw the two as they were getting closer and closer together. In utter fear, she ran toward the water, yelling to her son as loudly as she could. Hearing her voice, the boy became alarmed and made a U-turn to swim to his mother. But it was too late. Just as he reached her, the alligator reached him. From the dock, the mother grabbed her little boy by his arms, just as the alligator snatched his legs. And that began a very incredible tug-of-war between the two. The alligator was much stronger than the mother, but the mother was much too passionate to let go. A farmer happened to drive by, hear her screams. He raced from the truck, took aim, and shot the alligator. Remarkably, after weeks and weeks in the hospital, the little guy survived. His legs were extremely scarred by the vicious attack of the animal. On his arms, there were deep scratches where his mother's fingernails had dug into his flesh in her effort to hang on to the son she loved. 
The newspaper reporter who interviewed the boy after the trauma asked the boy if he would show him his scars. The boy lifted his pant legs, but then with obvious pride he said to the reporter, but look at my arms. I've got great scars on my arms too. I have them because my mom wouldn't let me go. You would pardon me, you and I can identify with that little boy. We have scars too. Probably not from an alligator, but the scars of a painful past. Some of those scars are unsightly and cause us great regret. But some wounds, my friends, are there because God refused to let you go. In the midst of your struggle, he's been right there holding on to you. The scripture teaches that God loves you. You're a child of God. He wants to protect you and provide for you in every way. But sometimes we foolishly wade into dangerous situations not knowing what lies ahead. The swimming hole of life is filled with peril and sometimes we forget the enemy's waiting to attack. That's when the tug of war begins. If you have the scars of his love on your arms, be very, very grateful. He will never let you go. And never judge another person's scars because you don't know how they got them. Right now, someone needs to know that God loves them and you love them too, enough to not let them go. That was written by someone named Carly Taylor. That never lets you go even when it hurts love is the love that God has for each and every one of us, magnified a hundred, even a thousandfold. We must never forget how much God loves us. Never. He will never let us go. We can never match His love, but we can know it. We can appreciate it and try as best as we can to emulate it, to do it in our relationships, with those we know and with those we don't, whoever needs it. That's our calling, that's our goal as children of God. We have been loved. Now we go and love God and love our neighbors. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for your love. Thank you for how you've loved me, in my life, there are so many ways I could list off. But each one of us could do that. Each one of us know you've loved us. You've loved us through hard times. You've loved us in easy times. You always have. You always will. Help us, Lord, now to show that love to others. To love ourselves because you love us. To love others because... You love us as well. This we pray in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.